0: I'm excited to announce that I've partnered with GiveSum to make your giving experience remarkable. GiveSum's digital web-based platform allows you to give to the charitable initiatives you care about most while also experiencing the difference your gift made. Join us in celebrating this partnership by visiting the link in the bio. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. Follow the money, investing with purpose. Sure, where we have real conversations with the people who are driving change in our community. And today I have no better person to have on for this conversation, Mr. Darcy Tour. How are you, Darcy?
1: I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Todd.
0: Oh my gosh. So good to have you on, man. We were joking. It's one degree separation. I think I go through the same <laughs> conversation almost with every guest. Oh, once we did meet, we realized 17 other people that we also had that we also know very well that are that are mutual friends. Um, but I'm going to start bold. I'm going to go. What's a Zazoon? <laughs> Darcy's the CEO at Zazoon, and I always, lo- I always love to never assume my audience knows what the heck we're talking about. Which so maybe it. it's a sa- is a safe bet. So, what is a Zayzun? And let's go from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's jump into it. I love it. Straight to the point. Uh, yeah. So, Zayzoon is a fintech company based out of Calgary, uh, and we've we've been working um, on our mission, and I'll jump into what that is uh, since 2016. Um, so is on a mission to improve the financial health and wellness of our customers through impactful financial products. And that's important because almost 70% of working Canadians, Americans, and I'm sure other, other areas of the world are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, so that's a precarious way to live, but most people are living that way. Um, so what happens to someone that's living paycheck to paycheck and their car breaks down and they need to go to work and they can't get in their car and they can't get to work and they can't get paid? but they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, lots of those individuals, unfortunately, are driven into awful alternatives, uh, like payday loans, or um, you look in the US, people that NSF overdraft their bank accounts, banks made $32 billion in NSF and overdraft fees. So they're just, when we got really curious about this problem, there weren't any alternatives, any from our perspective, any responsible alternatives um, to support people in those situations. And so that's why we came up with Zazen. So really, we started with what we thought would be the highest impact product first. And that was, if you think about how payroll works. um, So again, these are employees, in some cases, contractors. But if you think about payroll, we're all pretty familiar with it. It's been the same for almost 100 years. You get paid every two weeks or twice a month. Those would be the most common um, cadences for receiving your paycheck. And that's okay, because it's always been that way. But if you think about it, in a perfect world, you get paid at the end of every day or maybe every hour. Um, not everyone needs that, of course, but as people start to live, more people start to live paycheck to paycheck, so um, incomes have not gone up commensurate with cost of living, that's a very topical these days. Um, so our thesis was, what if we could provide a platform, an app, uh, today I could hit a button, get picked up by an Uber, what if I could hit a button and just access my pay, not a loan, but I'm halfway through payroll. It's been a week since I was last mm-hmm. paid. My car breaks down. Well, why, what if I could just hit a button and access at least a portion of what I'm already entitled to, my hard earned income that's being held basically by my employer. And so that's what we've built and we're super proud. Um, we've, we've deployed over $200 million of earned wage access, as we call it, um, to uh, hundreds of thousands of customers and uh you know we're, we're we're growing um i would say we're one of the fastest growing tech companies in in the city and and i think you could understand why if you think about just how deep um and important this problem is that we're working to solve hey, i've
0: so many thank you that was i think you've been in this elevator pitch ride before it feels like that's not the first time you've laid that I out know, i wish <laughs> like i was
1: I... taking on a journey i tend to answer no, questions no I, uh, I was great i loved it i did <laughs> you know, i have
0: i brought a coffee i got back to lunch i'm ready to go um you le- you leaned on it so many times, and we'll touch on the technology and the ability and where we've arrived as a society that we have a technology that allows us to do to solve this problem. How much of this was we're excited about what the tech can do or we're really passionate as a group about the problem we're going to solve? and what i'm what I'm dancing around is technology running around looking for a problem to solve versus what I heard you say and what kind of pulled through your narrative to me was there's a group that's being like 70%. like That's a huge number, living paycheck to paycheck. This is a pain. You man, we immediately think of the the alternatives, aka shinier versions of loan sharking where, oh yeah, oh, you need money till next week. Well, that'll be, you know, the fig on that is this, or we're going to charge you this. When you guys started this off, how much was the purpose driving it versus just, hey, and I don't want to go just we have got. We understand that there's a technology solution now. Let's go out and find something to solve. I'm just trying to get the balance of those two things that kind of came through really loud and clear in your narrative.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely centered on purpose. And I think that's why, you know, we've got traction. We have like, we're, I think we're 90 employees now and counting and everyone. If you ask them what our values are, what our mission is, you're going to get largely the same answer from everyone because we talk about it every day. And, and, and as an entrepreneur, as an investor, I, I'm all more fascinated about the problem that's being solved rather than the technology that's being leveraged, right? Like focus and center on, are you solving an important problem? Uh, is there a large base of people or employees that are suffering from said problem? And do you have a unique or compelling way to access that constituent base? Um, and if you can check those three boxes, you've got a business opportunity. And then what can you do um, to get there? And in in fintech, if you think about fintech, fintech, it's like it's banking basically, but technology is removing the friction between the person or the business um, experiencing that issue and the solution to said issue, right? So that's really how we Mm -hmm. see it. And with a really efficient business model, um, we can pass those efficiencies on to the customer.
0: I really appreciate. I read an article years ago; it always stuck with me. Like, stop, stop. It was Harvard Business Review, and it was like basically, stop trying to surprise and delight your customers, and just be easy to work with. <laughs> and I, I've <laughs> I've camped out on that idea for a long time. A this of. is going to be amazing. I'm like, yeah, but to get to amazing, I had to go through all these hoops and jump over all these, you know, the steeplechase of accessing your service. Which, let's be honest, these days we just most people we won't put in the time. Like, if it, if it isn't easy, no. quote unquote, we're out. Like, back to back to friction. For God's
1: sake, please be easy to work with. That's all I ask. Yeah. Yeah, we have short attention spans. Oh, no, we do days getting shorter, it's not getting day. any better. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, look at Castle. Uh, that joke about the goldfish. Look at Castle. Um, every time you swim around the wall. Um, 2016, you're up to you're in up to 90 employees. Uh, just your background, tech background, entrepreneur background. Again, always curious. The, the the entrepreneur with the idea that partners with the tech the tech founder to get the solution. Where did you kind of fall into that mix from a from a balanced perspective yeah, of, it, uh, of getting was, starting something like this?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a windy journey, but um, if I go back to it, it is really seeing a problem and being confused why there isn't a better solution. Um, you know, I'll give you a really simple example. When I was 16, I got my driver's license, and like my son who just turned 16, I love to drive, and um, my parents forced me down this path with the Royal Conservatory of Music. I played the piano for years, and I got to the point where I could teach. And I was like, well, there are a lot of piano teachers out there. I want to make some money. I love to drive. I was living in Sundance. And uh, so I came up with this concept. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like, if you think about, like, if I think about all my friends and their families um, growing up, like, you would drive to your piano, teacher, piano teacher's house and you would sit and wait. I'm like, what if I could actually remove the friction, right? Obviously, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I, like, I like where this is going, though. But, I like it. <laughs> but what if I could drive to someone's house... And they've got one kid, two kids, three kids, whatever, and line up the kids, and I'm going to teach them piano. And then I'm effectively I'm providing the service on, in a mobile fashion. I'm now actually a babysitter, which is also valuable. The and parents, drive, the parents love this this
0: like right now because oh, they, man. as most parents I know, that's you're part-time amazing. taxi driver all the time. Anyways, as a, with with kids that are active,
1: right? <laughs> oh, that's exactly right, and. Uh, and so that was my, really my first business. I posted up signs on these community mailboxes, because in, in those remote communities at the time, you had to go and get your mail from me. Yep. I'm like, I remember putting a sign that said, Darcy Tour Esquire, and you could rip the little... My mom told me to put Esquire. Off the bottom? You know, meant, yeah, yeah, yeah like, take that the number. Cool. <laughs> Esquire. You rip the little tab <laughs> off the bottom, and I filled my schedule, and I would drive between Sundance, Mindapur. Um, and, and beyond. And so, That's awesome. yeah, that, that was effectively my first entrepreneurial pursuit. Um, and that continued on. Like, I had summer jobs. Um, but my very first company, I was working as a summer student for uh, Enbridge Pipelines. And I was out in the field with the engineers, and they're writing a bunch of all this important engineering data down onto these clipboards. And the paper's blowing everywhere. And I remember there were black flies everywhere. We're actually in Ontario. Like, this is terrible. And I had my palm Pilot in my pocket because I was a nerd from very early on, a proud nerd. <laughs> and awesome. uh, I'm like, what if I could just write an app for this, right? And like, this was like the 90s, mid-90s. And, oh, cool, uh, right on. So that's what I did. And that spawned my very first company. I wrote uh, a platform for engineer pipeline engineers to capture data um, at the site, get it back in the office in a timely fashion. That was my company number one uh, in 2000, Halo Network. So that's, my background's really, I've, uh, Love programming. I love, I love just looking at the world and like asking questions like why, why, you know, you know, the cheesy um, challenge the status quo, which isn't cheesy. I think it's a great rally cry, but I think sometimes you're just born, you're born um, maybe a little bit more, you're a little more inquisitive, right? Like why, why, why are they lying around paper?
0: depends. And and there's a willingness to then take it to like, what could I do about it? Like there's, huh, why is this like this? This could be easier. And then there's, I think there is a, there is still an action side of that step. Like you can be curious and just wonder or be frustrated and not act. That next step I think is a differentiator when it comes to starting a business or the entrepreneurship or whatever word you want to, the hustle (laughs) goes with that, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is the hustle
1: for sure. But yeah, you're (laughs) right. It it does, it does come down to the next step. And I think being however you want to frame it, right? Like, it's most mm. entrepreneurs, actually, I don't know if they know this or not, but their, their chances of success are so slim and, and not to discourage anyone from taking that leap. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's um on a probabilistic basis, like you've got less than a 20% chance of having a real business after a few years. But wow, is it ever worth it when you do?
0: Ugh, yeah. The, so this isn't where I was going to go with this podcast. So we'll get back to Zayn I want to <laughs> talk about your customers and the business in a second. What are your thoughts? And I've had this conversation with a few, I was on a panel last fall on, on you know, mental health for entrepreneurs, this panel was on. And everyone was just like, we got it. We're over-celebritizing the entrepreneur. We're making it look easy. Mm-hmm. We're making it look like everybody can be successful. And it's really setting a lot of people up for like, oh my God, everyone else is winning and I'm failing. And they were speaking about it from a mental health perspective, which I, I, appreci- I appreciated. Every single person on that panel was like, it's really tough, don't do it. But every single person I was sitting beside was also an entrepreneur who was doing it. So it was a bit of a weird, like we didn't get into the debate. I'm like, wait a second. And I want to know, since you're telling everyone not to do it because it's so hard, but yet you're all sitting here and I know that you live the life you want to live because you chose it. What, what's your thoughts on that? Any eh? perspective? We're getting, so we got really philosophical 12 minutes in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, like, I think it's important to know that the like not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. And there are people that are incredible entrepreneurs that you might not think would have ever gone on to be an incredible entrepreneur. So I don't think you can sum it up in a few ingredients, but I remember, um, you know, when I, when I'm mentoring or looking to invest um, and and I stole this from somebody, it it might've been actually like Parker Conrad or Zenefits on a podcast, but it was, what are the, what are the important traits um, that you look for an entrepreneur? What are your two key ingredients for an entrepreneur? And there, it's always these, I think these two things are derivatives of them and it's relentlessness, right. Or grit. Yes. Um, So running through walls. Sometimes I call it hard to kill. (laughs) Um, And so that's, I I, I like, I like hard to kill. I I like hard to kill. (laughs) Hard to kill. That's my business partner of 20 years. That's what we always say. We're like, we're hard to kill. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're just not smart enough to stop. But, uh, (laughs) and and then the other one's uh, resourcefulness. And Mm. that, that's a really key ingredient. I think a lot of people might say intelligence, but, I'm probably proof that that's not the main requirement. Um, <laughs> I doubt that, but be... I get your.
0: I think I've I've watched. I think we all watched the TED Talk where they're like, it's not intelligence, it's not the, it's grit. Actually, I think we've yeah. all seen that TED Talk floating yeah. around as well, too. Right? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I, sure. I would have grit would have been my first one. I like, would have been would have been confident, and I wasn't yeah. sure where you we were going to go with. Uh, R- this one, one is a really yeah. good
1: one. I agree. So mm-hmm. my my litmus test when because I love helping other founders but you know you one thing you learn when you're building something saying no is more important than saying yes and you are defined um, by so your nose more than
0: you're defined by your yeses for sure yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, for sure so my litmus test always when i meet a founder is like learning about the business and then but then giving them an assignment right that's not not too hard but it's going to take some thoughtfulness and some work and some so resourcefulness and um i i would tell you four to five times i i do not hear back because they want to have the coffee and they want to like talk about the dream. And I'm like, eh, dreams are only realized by putting in the hard work, right? And show me you've got that muscle or at least a willingness to build it. And uh, it, it's pretty easy to weed out those differences. And again, that goes back to, I think, what I said, where it's a, it's a, it's a minority of people who have it. And it doesn't mean it's a good or a bad thing, but it's just a muscle I would say you need to have. I love the, I
0: love what you know, it's almost like an audition to a certain extent. Like, do you have them a simple task, Mm -hmm. something that's not that hard, but requires some thought? But more importantly, it requires follow through, it requires doing what you said you were going to, you know, like your say do ratio is either, if you say you're going to do it and you don't do it, well, then that's immediately a zero in the say do ratio. And that's, that's, it's a bad way to start any. Yeah, I want the coffee and I want the shiny bits, but when it comes to the work and yeah. that's a good test for anybody listening. If you catch yourself doing that, saying yes and not falling through, that's probably a good self indicator as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, great point.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the the podcast is informative, but the psycho- the armchair psychology that we're dishing out right now is free, guys. It's free for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy and Tyler giving armchairs psychological. Well, everyone's a psychologist these days because we all listen to podcasts and then we want to go and share everything we've learned. Yeah, Um, Which is a great (laughs) phenomenon. Hey, let's circle back. And and I know what, I could go down this route. I think you and I could get very philosophical and go and keep digging here. But tell me a little bit about the business. So 16 years, fast growing. Again, I've heard about you guys. That's what really caused me to reach out because I wanted to learn more. Where's your customer base? Talk about the business model, what you've seen in the last couple of years, where the bulk of your clients are, because I think that's a relevant part of this story as well.
1: For sure, for sure, yeah. And six years, I, I just I thought maybe you said sixteen and you gave me a heart attack. But oh, sorry, um, no, you said you yeah, oh, you so, said you
0: started in 2016. 2016, since, yeah, 2016 since twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, yes. Since twenty, thank thesis. you for clarifying. Yeah. Since, 2016, since yeah, twenty
1: sixteen, Since okay, man. Thank <laughs> you. So, so we're not we're not in
0: the time warp. It's sixteen years from now, Darcy. Tell us where we are. Can, no,
1: it's since yeah, since twenty sixteen. Sorry paper bag right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, like I talked about the ingredients, and so right like. Solving a problem, um, the problem's pervasive, and then you've got the ability to access that base of people or businesses that are suffering from said problem. Um, We started this as Canadians, as you do, and I made this mistake in a previous tech venture, um, so we started our own backyard, right? So we we said, hey, we've got this concept. So my previous company, our clients were oil field service companies, so we went to a few of those and just said, hey, we're going to offer this service, and we didn't have the tech built out. So I think that's really important. Um, to validate or invalidate quickly your thesis. <laughs> so we said, hey, we went to an oilfield service company and said, we're going to offer the employees that you pay. We found out they were issuing loans to employees, and that's pretty awkward as an employer. So we said, well, what if we could actually just get timesheet data and then you can offer people access to their earned wages and we're just going to do it. And we I call that a swivel chair integration, right? <laughs> like there's no code. You're just <laughs> getting noticed and you swivel. Go into a bank, right? And we first. <laughs> I like funds. that.
0: Civil chair. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Got it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And so so we did that. So what was cool about that is it, it it validated the thesis. We understood that A, there was demand. B, um, like what would the usage patterns be? So how much would people need? How often would they use the service? Um, what what was the um general risk? Um, if there was risk in that. Um and, and so you look at the financial model you build it's like in this beautiful echo chamber with no real data and then you get to start to stress test the assumptions uh, in that model so that was pretty cool and so things went well delusions of grandeur kicked in and we're like well let's launch in canada and our thesis was let's do it through payroll providers because they're b2b um, this is an actual like b2b to c business we've got to go through payroll activate their employers and then offer employees the benefit um so we in canada you know, in retrospect, I was like, there's like 30 payroll companies in Canada. Canada's not that big, it's the size of California from a population perspective. Um, so we did it in Canada and then realized this uh, the sales cycles are long. So, my co founder Tate Hackert, who Tate I w- would want to make sure he gets credit, he Zazen, the concept of Zazen was his. He was one of those people who asked for some mentorship, and I gave him a bunch of homework, and he came up with all of the work at 2 a.m. the following morning. And I was like, this kid has nice. got, like, he's resourceful, he's got grit. And I said, okay, let us let me help you with this. And then I realized how big the opportunity was. And uh, I jumped in head head first. And it's it's been amazing. So we pivoted to the U.S. So as of today, I think, which is where you're getting with the question, the U.S. market, um, there's some amazing things about it. There's some things you need to be aware of when you go into the U.S., um, but we went into the U.S. market uh, six years ago, just randomly sponsored a payroll trade show and basically closed three partnerships in three days um, because of the, there's that American disposition where, hey, this is interesting. I'll give it a try. Like, don't screw my business up because if you do, <laughs> there will be consequences. But. We'll absolutely give it a try, and that's what we did. And we nice. um, we worked really closely with with those partners. And you fast forward today, we're partner with 150 payroll companies, and that's really how we built the business. I
0: love. I, I I do like there is doing there is differences south of the border in terms of how people do deals and like the the, the, the quickness yeah. in which we'll like hey, let's 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 try it like an actual a true test and learn it's an easy thing to say maybe different. Did you pick? Did you do regionality? Did you go state by state? Did you do Pacific Northwest? Like, how did you break it up? Or did you just kind of dive in and yeah, see where the traction, the pickup was?
1: Well, you know, I could give you the answer that makes me sound really smart, or I could give you the truth. And uh, the tr- I'll give you the I, truth. I'm happy with both. So it's up truth. to you. It's totally up to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is, um, Tate, by way of his resourcefulness, had found a couple of people that had built out um, a lending business that use payroll as a channel and they'd actually built it and sold it to a bank. Um, And they both still work for us today. Um, And and so I think that Mm. says a lot about them and um, us, I I think, really building that partnership with them. And so we talked to them and said, hey, we think that your business model would be perfect for us. Now, we don't want to build a lending business. We want to provide liquidity, right? And that's quite different. Um, People, you know, there's $2 trillion locked up in payroll right now we just want to provide liquidity for some of those recipients, really people that have um, are really entitled, like I said, to to those earnings and in fact need them. Um, so so let's give them access. And They thought, hey, this is really really cool. Um, they had a product that was somewhat similar, in fact, and they said, yeah, we we feel like we didn't really capitalize on that because of the technical lift at the time, and mm-hmm. they, their backgrounds weren't in tech; it was more business development and banking. And so we partnered up with them, and that was. In a regional payroll conference to answer your question, we okay. knew there were about 1,500 regional payroll providers and they gather regularly throughout the year in different cities. They'll pick cool places um, to to gather and discuss shared problems and opportunities, even though they may compete against each other. But but like you said, yeah, they're they're regional. And so we became really active participants in that community and like just a great Great group of individuals, of successful business people. We we had really an idea and a, like kind of an MVP at best, okay. and uh, and that's that's where we started. And now we're, you know, we're an active active player in that Zayzoon. You know, in terms of the size and value, of the company would probably be at least as valuable, if not more, more valuable than most of those payroll companies now. And they, thanks to the support that they've provided, and we've certainly, um, it's been mutually beneficial. I would say for us and all of our partners.
0: Talk about like understanding who your ideal, cause like in a B two B and B two C. You know who your end participant is, but who's the? What's the best channel yeah, um, to get there, and how critical that is, and how it feels like you catch lightning in the bottle because you had the right channel. Not you know you know, and not to minimize that. Yeah, but you could have lifted that idea uphill if you were trying to sell it to the wrong group or or, or sell it into the wrong group. Totally.
1: Right? Mm. Yeah, well, um, and, and we we went out to raise institutional capital, and I remember being told, and this is for all of the, the founders. On the call, um, budding founders like they—they they thought we were crazy. They're like, "Why would you introduce so much friction between yourself and the customer?" And and our thesis was, "Well, if you can get this flywheel turning, yeah. then you've got a massive base of just layering growth." So payroll company one, you create growth. Payroll company two, payroll company. Well, we have 150 now, and every day, most of those 150 payroll companies were adding businesses or employees and a huge number of them were businesses i wouldn't say every one of them um every day but and so you now you get this layering effect so if it's geometric growth but it's layered you've now got sustained exponential growth and and that's what we've been seeing for three years now
0: and from a systems or a technology or like you going from an MVP that payroll company already had all that infrastructure in place with the the companies with the pay with the payer the yeah. person who's ultimately driving the money through them to the so yeah i i get why they would push back but at the same time when you're getting going if you can crack it
1: that would accelerate you faster i would guess is what happened yeah mm-hmm. well and when you say infrastructure yeah there's like the technical infrastructure mm-hmm. but there's the goodwill um, which is incredibly valuable because when you're in fintech, the number one hurdle you have is building trust, trust. between yourself yeah, sure. yeah. and a customer. So imagine if we were camped out in front of a business like a McDonald's. We have hundreds of McDonald's uh, using Zazen in the U.S. And imagine sitting out at a McDonald's saying, hey, hey, Tyler, did you know you can use us to access your earned wages? <laughs> You'd be like, get get out of here. Are you going to me a watch? But yeah, when well, that, to we've all I'm seen the sure payday loans
0: commercials. You just described them in one yeah, way or you another, got it. right? Yeah, yeah, 100, 100, 100%, Was percent was, was that a fairly easy just, oh, you're a payday loans company. No, we're not. Like, I'm assuming that still comes up from time to time, but maybe is getting less as your brand becomes more known. Hmm?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it still comes up from time to time. And I go back to when we were doing our market research. And so I think that that other attribute outside of like grit and resourcefulness is like curiosity, right? And uh, yeah. we we became really curious about the problem, and then the people that were solving the problem. And so we actually we became friends with some people in Calgary that were doing um, payday loans because they're not they're not evil people. In fact, they're building businesses. And if if they, if they were if they were egregious, like if they were trying to do harm, someone would come out with their same business and just do a better job. But the <laughs> market has you know market regulates itself. And so there are more payday lenders in the US than McDonald's and Starbucks. So they, they're it, what it is, is their business models flawed. Of, all the, of the capital they deploy on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, they don't get 15 to 20% of it back. So the customers that pay for it and like, do pay back that payday loan have to pay a tax for those that don't, right? Whereas yeah. we're embedded into the payroll hierarchy, right? Into that transaction stack. Um, and so we reduce our risk by like orders of magnitude compared to uh, a lender. And again, we're not a lender. A payday lender is yeah. It's, payday, a, it's a completely payday, different. Just right? the word
0: lending is the totally key word. Is the key yeah. word in
1: that in that model, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My CFO no, a, actually puts it really well. He said, "You think of Zazen as we're basically an ATM in your pocket, right? You've got the funds, you've earned them. They're not in your bank account, but the, it's accrued earnings." So we're an ATM. You can see in the ATM what you've accrued and you can withdraw your funds, right? An ATM, you're yeah. withdrawing the cash that's sitting in the machine. It's not your cash, but they just reconcile it with your bank in that in that moment, right? Aside and from so that, the, the, the risk,
0: the fringe risk of a company going bankrupt somewhere in that cycle, but you're talking about maybe a two week cycle. Like you, you, you factor yeah. out some cash. My ATM says I have a thousand, but then all of a sudden, some reason I don't get paid. But you could run the numbers on that. Like it, it, the risk is exponentially lower than a thousand individuals all borrowing a hundred dollars. Someone's not paying back the hundred dollars. You got <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I love. I like it. Um, And you don't have to give me the numbers, you can if you want. Like, what do you guys roll on a month? Like, this is a significant, like, I'm just thinking about the financial model of like, we need to raise some money to build our tech. We need some money to build our business and hire our people. (laughs) But we also need money to float this timeline this week to two weeks to four weeks. Like, that's a big, um, we'll just
1: call it the float. (laughs) What's the float? I'm walking in to do my shift. What's my float? That's a big number, man. That's a big Uh, number. (laughs) I remember a banker, I remember a banker said to us, once you've done a thousand, payouts like you're going to be able to go to a bank and get a float right and yeah. i was like okay we can do a thousand and like we're counting them and by the time we had done a million i couldn't get a bank to sign up okay yeah, um, yeah. like a million payouts so 100 on average let's say a hundred dollar payout because because uh, a payout
0: um, has been also like do you consider a payout a payout and a repay like that's a million cycles if I'm thinking about both sides, because back to your loan, oh, one, yeah. I just want to keep drawing it. this difference. So like yeah. a payout is a completed cycle of we paid it, we got it back, we made our whatever point and yeah. we moved on like that. That's a complete, right? Because I've oh, lined out a bunch of money too, so and it didn't funny. come back. So I want to, I want to <laughs> clarify.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. you. So you take me back to the very first payout we <laughs> issued and it was with a payroll company out of, out of Mississauga and our, my engineer number one at Zazen and sorry, engineer number two at Zazen, he still works here um he said he was laughing because we were high-fiving we're like our first payout we knew the client's name we're like this is like this is the start of something beautiful and he started laughing he's like guys sending the money out is not the business <laughs> sending the money out and getting it back right yes. and, um with some revenue that's the business so he's like let's not celebrate too early here just quite yet yeah. that, that really <laughs> That really hit me, Um, and I remember I had my like I had an Apple Watch at the time that was set up to ping every time someone took a payout. So like that dopamine hit was so nice, but then eventually I'm like, okay, this thing's got to stop. But uh, so to answer your question, we today is a pretty cool milestone. We're sending out about a million dollars a day now to our wow. Okay,
0: cool. That's awesome. That's a real number, and that that gets my attention. It's a real number, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, but I think what people like the, the, the number we focus on is how much are we saving those customers? Right. So let's say that's 10,000, 10, customers, um, that would have otherwise NSF their bank accounts. So their rent bounced, and then they get charged $35 on average for $25 overdraft, right? Overdraw. Um, most of have, most of our customers wouldn't have overdraft. And, uh, so when we start to think about it, um, like we our BHAG, our big hairy audacious goal for those people that don't read Jim Collins,
0: <laughs> is
1: save 10 million people, 10 billion dollars. So we talk about that every day in our daily scrum with 90 people at Zayzoon, the mission, right? And the byproduct of that is yeah, we send out a million dollars a day and we grow the business, you know, double digit month over month, and that's those are all like great vanity metrics, but the ones that we really focus on are are we helping, right? And what, what else? What what other problems are there? Could we solve this one better? Are there adjacent um, opportunities like improving people's credit, help them pay bills, mm-hmm. help employers better engage their employees, their most important asset? Um, are, are those areas that we could we could help with? And like I said, if you're solving a problem, we can monetize it, we can get an employer to pay in part. Um, because we're really helping improve retention, helping them uh, improve the inbound number of candidates and quality of candidates coming in. So that's where the business gets really fun and interesting, right? Like what else, what else can we do? Well,
0: you're taking something that is, part of the equation of i work here you pay me money it's very transactional and yes it's a big factor of why i work here but you're surrounding it with other aspects that actually improve it you know again i'm entitled to that money and the fact i can get it sooner and like that's a that's the difference of getting caught constantly behind the eight ball or being able to get ahead of things a little bit or at least not fall behind back to your who I, i don't want to lose this um and again again whatever if you whatever you can't share don't share who who did you get to sign on to do be the float we got there, you got two million
1: transactions. Well, no one wanted to do it. Yeah, who signed so up? Like, who, who, who did you get? Oh who did you get? <laughs> so, cr- okay. I think this is a critical piece Everyone of the story here because <laughs> this is something I'm super proud of. Um, and I love Calgary based podcast. And, um, yeah, I so we as a company, I'm so proud to say, um, since the beginning, we've had to raise equity, um, which is a grind, right? But, it, but it's important if you're going to grow really, really fast and you don't have. $100 million sitting in a bank account to fund your business. Um, yep. So we, uh, we, we've we we actually raised, it's saying $25 million in equity. Now, we don't use that. That's not the money that goes to our customers. That's just as we've grown and de-risked business. To bu- build, build a business. Um, we've yeah. had Yeah, we've had local um, investors come in and some family offices. Um, Intergen mm-hmm. is an amazing scale-up um, organization here in Calgary. Intergen graph great. I've had, Sandy, had with, S-
0: Sandy Gilbert on the show before, yeah. hmm
1: Sandy's like one of my favorite people. She's awesome. I, she was a great guest. She, she, we had a she, blast and we had a good chat. <laughs> oh, she's so much fun. And I'm so thankful for the role she and Intergen play um, in, in the community. So, so that's like, that's something I'm super proud of. Now, you know, we're getting to a point where, yeah, we're going to have to go and get probably us based um, or, or maybe Canadian based um, institutional capital to like, to get this to kind of that step jump, right. To go from, uh, 100 employees yeah, t- ten, uh, 10 billion people know, 10 whatever your t- metric t- is. Yeah, yeah 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 actually you're right not it's employees is the wrong metric i love that you said that but to, to actually get to a million customers um and to get to 10 million now the float this is what i'm super proud of and i showed it from the hilltops because a, as a lot of you tech founders know um there we have had some major regional banking issues in the u.s mm. right so um svb some run on the banks um, it, it's pretty scary, you know. Now being compounded by commercial real estate and the, the big write downs there, and um, so what I'm very very proud to share is the bank that stepped up and committed um, committed. We started with ten million dollars U.S. main capital, and that's that's growing. Um, it was ATB, so Crown Core, based out of Alberta, of course. Stepped up like got definitely got out of their wheelhouse. I would say, yeah, 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 totally, Um, and and backed us. And what I can tell you is, you you want a partner, right? Like when when you're building a business, you want somebody that understands that. Oh, we've just had a black swan event, and we have to like, we have to like shutter the business in, and like we like there are wild existential crises every second week. It feels like. Um ATB has been that partner for us. Um, and so I'm just I'm proud that we've raised our equity here. So this debt facility, it's domiciled in the US. And, and so I've shouted this from the hilltops in our ecosystem. And I know there are a number of other founders that are now working with a- ATB on similar um uh similar solutions for their business. But so like FinTech, and, and I'm not exactly sure why, but like FinTech. It, it is thriving in Calgary of all places, right? You've got Cement, you've got Neo, you've got mm-hmm. Cezun, um, you've got some great Helsum, you've got some great uh, fintech companies here.
0: And so, how long have they been your partner?
1: Um, You know what? It's been, I think we're coming up on a year. Oh, nice. Okay, so um, rel- relatively, re- relatively growing... recent
0: in the scope of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I said, we, we I think we really had to get to that critical mass now like our business has grown 5x since that partnership so they they really got in when um there were signs of life and yeah like we're we had a meaningful run rate at the time but i would say they would be on that early adopter curve and i'm so thankful for uh for for that partnership and it's beneficial to them too right i think we're we're a good um analog for how they are um they are stepping up and they're they're working with us to diversify um you know diversify here in alberta and uh without them we would have found a solution but it's pretty cool to find a homegrown solution for sure
0: i do love like you said this is an alberta-based company you are the the bank then you've got ATB is based here you don't have clients in canada the bulk of your business is done in the u.s you've got a canadian alberta regional bank focusing on u.s i I, like i love everything (laughs) about this story (laughs) because it breaks the mold right it's not it's
1: not what you would expect right totally well and when svb was collapsing like we called up i actually ran into um mark rancourt one of our bankers at an intergen event uh funnily enough and i said hey like when when and obviously we called all of our bankers. Like we have US banks, of course, because we have to disperse funds and we operate in the US. But so we called all of our bankers. But I said to Mark, I'm like, when I thought about like kind of your composite, like what makes up your loan book and your cap table, I'm like, it's gonna be a proxy. Like the how industries are broken up in the provinces will be a proxy, mm-hmm. I imagine, for your book, right? Because A T B is a very successful um Alberta Bank, right, and, and especially in the SMB community, and so, and, and they're like, yeah, exactly right. So I'm like, in terms of the, like tech, as a percentage of your portfolio versus SV, SVB, it was all high growth private yeah. tech companies, and with one or two degrees of separation, so pretty easy to create uh, a run on the bank in that in that scenario. And he said that's exactly right, and they're 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 backed by the province, which is pretty which is pretty powerful. So when I'm talking to U.S. based investors now, and they say where are you getting your capital from? I proudly kind of stick up my chest and say, "Well, it's a government-backed Canadian bank with a uh, you know a capital facility in the U.S. that can grow to support our business over the next number of years." And that that's pretty pretty cool thing to be able to say.
0: I'm curious, does that raise some eyebrows? Like, do, do they say, "Okay, interesting," or do you get some follow along? I'm I'm always curious what we look like from outside, right? When you say that to these investors in the US that probably have not put much thought into this market or to what even goes on here do you get a response or do they just nod check that box and move on to the next question
1: yeah i everybody is a little bit different um like i can tell you being a canadian tech company uh once you hit a certain stage and run rate like you you you're not looked at that differently from the us okay. investment community and in fact you can look at you look really smart you can be like hey we have a payroll arbitrage cuz it's just we're, we pay people in Canadian dollars. A Canadian make less income um, than their U.S. counterparts. It's just like statistically, that's how it shakes out. Um, so, so I think there's advantages there. What I find interesting now is our competitors in the U.S. will say, oh, those guys are based out of Canada. Like, buy you know U.S. first, like so that that can create. I don't know if that creates friction for us um, in in on the sales side of things. So. There are things you want to be mindful of. When you're taking on investment from U.S. investors, I've seen Canadian tech companies struggle with that because uh, of of, um, the different jurisdictions. So you've got to structure your company a certain way to accommodate for that.
0: Mm. Has there been any pull up to this point or do you foresee any pull to move down to the U.S. or to go follow that money or to that investment arm? Or do you guys also establish enough now that maybe you know, an office somewhere balances that out? Or has that even been a part of the dialogue as you're starting to look at that next round of capital?
1: Yeah, we're, we're always looking at the angles, right? Like, does it remove mm. friction? Um, does it open up the market of prospective investors to us? I, I think that, you, you know, most of the institutional investors domicile in the US or other, other countries, like, they're, they're largely set up to invest. Um, internationally, so so I don't think it's a huge determinant um, at okay. this point, but but it can be. I, I've seen that happen, but it's typically the exception. Okay,
0: interesting. So from a growth perspective, it sounds like you're on the path. You've kind of five x even from this time last year, based on your kind of c- comment what do you see as some of the next milestones for you as a business or biggest hurdles, I guess? Like, is it, is it the next big raise? It sounds like a brand awareness uh, adoption it sounds like all those things are moving in a, in, in, a direction of growth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where you, where you start to, so we're like kind of square in the middle of what you would consider a scale up, right? And okay. scale up in today's capital markets means something different than a year ago. A year ago, people were like, Oh, you're going to go, and I just slip up earlier, right? You're going to go from 100 people to 300 people, right? That's not a scale-up. A scale-up would be, we're going to 5X our revenue again, and we're going to go from 100 people to 150, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, So we're going to have a 5X growth in revenue. We're going to preserve margin, unit economics. We're only going to add 50 people or maybe 50% to um, our operating costs, right? And so that's a scale-up is doing more with less and so we're going back to basics on this and so to answer your question Mm. we we've we've really dialed in um but there's still work to be done on acquiring customers right and so in tech uh, a really simple it's a simple ratio but it's actually art and science is what's the lifetime value of a customer and what's your cost to acquire said customer and then you want to look at a few things um when when is the payback on margin for acquiring that customer not revenue so if you have 50 percent gross margin for simple math um you pay 30 dollars, or yeah 30 dollars to acquire a customer we've well, got to earn 60 to get that 30 dollars back right like not counting time value money or anything what when is that but also what is the lifetime value of that customer and what is that as a multiple of the cost to acquire and typically people investors would like to see a three three to four X, I look at it on a margin basis. So I'd want to see mm-hmm. us have three to four X margin return um, within less than a year, let's say. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Then um, on, on your actual cost to acquire. So that's, that's really important. And if you can preserve that, that's, that's your argument for taking on capital, right? So, because what that means is you, you, if you could get a return, if you knew you get a return or you spend a dollar and you get that back, in seven months and then everything after that is great you do it all you do it all day long
0: you do it all day yeah, long <laughs> that
1: persists for a five or six time return you're going to do it all day long and then the thesis for a tech company is your your enterprise value is going to grow substantially now that's growth being valued um right growth being valued creating company value now it's that math is different Today, I think you want to really show line of sight to positive cash flow. Okay. Um, if at, at least, hey, we could we're there, or we could be there quickly um, if we needed to be. But we've made the deliberate choice to take on more capital because we think that getting to a hundred million dollar a year run rate is more important because that sets us up for sustainable positive cash flow where we hit a critical mass. Let's say in the, you know that's around not 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 just Bye.
0: rushing to your next raise, basically. <laughs>
1: Not just rushing to your next raise, and I think that for a time when money was free and very available on <laughs> um, those vanity metrics, like how much have you raised, how many employees do you have um, th- those were the things that sounded really cool to talk about. Now it's like, are you positive cash flow? what are your margins? Do you actually make how any long money is your runway? right yeah. like if your runway is less than twelve months, like you're you're probably sweating a little bit right now, and you don't have line of sight to cash flow, um you're probably sweating a little bit. Yeah. What's your, I'm, I would, I guess,
0: listening to everything you're talking about and I'm thinking this is very sticky. What do you guys, I would say relatively low churn rate or am I, I'm thinking that once people experience this and it works and it has no, uh, the friction's low and it doesn't have any red flags that show up. I would imagine the churn would be low. Uh, That'd be my expectation, but.
1: Yeah, the way we think about it is like we activate work, like employers, right? So like yeah. McDonald's is a really good example, and so um, we've got a payroll partner. I think they pay like sixteen hundred. Um, yeah. They provide payroll for sixteen hundred McDonald's. So we're partnered with them. Yeah. Um, we we will look at each McDonald's location, and we will look at our net revenue retention, right? Rather mm-hmm. than Tyler and Darcy work at McDonald's because the average tenure of a McDonald's employee at those locations might be seven months. So yeah. I mean, that's what I would consider forced churn. So you're right. If somebody discovers us and they use us, um, we'll, we'll typically they're in our app 16 times a month because we're surfacing. Here's what you've earned. We, we yeah. have other products um, where they can get discounts on car insurance. They can actually buy groceries or fuel um, for less. And so there are other things that we do mm, that, that really... See, uh, line up with our mission. So we I love that you said six, McDonald's and 16
0: times a month. You're making that I'm going to your website. I'm not even going to my payroll. I'm not going to check my pay stub. Yeah. I'm not logging not into the internet. In no, I'm apps, going, right? I'm going to
1: Zezun. I like that. Yeah. 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 yeah you got and it. then you're providing other benefits. Still B2B yeah. largely. Yeah. And we're, yeah, yeah. if you're B2B, you're, the customer is kind of a secondary thought now that's changing, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it, employees are more important now than they've ever been. Um, that dynamic. And I think for employers listening, I think this is pretty obvious now, but um, if it's not obvious, I'm glad I'm saying it, but it's the, the power dynamic used to be, I'm the employer, I'm the capital. <laughs> I have yeah. power over the, the workforce, the human capital. And that, wow, has that ever flipped? And you look at the US job data, there are a lot of people that are just choosing not to work um, mm-hmm. rather than just jobs being scarce and employers really being able to run the show, right? I
0: couldn't, I could not agree with you more. And as a business owner, my own mindset around that has changed significantly. And I enjoyed this one so much. Like we went to a work from anywhere philosophy with our team and we're doing a little bit of work through like what's causing friction. Most of our team were coming back with like, anything that does cause me friction is worth it because you've made my life so much better by allowing me to work wherever I want. And we're actually getting a much lower response on the fiction. And my director of ops came back to me today. She's like, I'm getting like very low, like anything that is, it's worth it because of the benefit that I've, and this is now a couple of years in. So I'm waiting for the novelty to wear off, but it's not because they're actually feeling more valued. You know, again, not to get, you know, preachy about it, but I'm just like, wow, okay. I was expecting a list of things we could fix, which is great. I was looking for that, you know, yeah. so like you take your car in. It's rattling. I want to know where the rattle is, and then I'll pay to fix it. Let's do yeah. it. But the feedback has been so positive because of that one move we made as a company that many have made and many are going back on, which I think is an error, depending on your business. But the, the, the amount of joy and quality of life that these individuals are now expressing back to us. Even the things that are a little bit inconvenient, they're not even bothering them anymore because something else is yeah. really being met in space. I just think that's so cool. I'm consistently blown away by it. Actually, maybe that's why I'm sharing it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I like I'll double down on that. Like we're remote first. Um, like I said, we're around ninety people, um, and what's happened is like we've got Calgary. Let's say we've got thirty people in Calgary. So we we have an office here. You can choose to come to. Um, so of course, like myself, my co-founder and CFO and Tate, like, co-founder and president. We are, we're here quite often. <laughs> but uh, I'm social animals, right? But um <laughs> yeah, who, is, who are you and what do you value? Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, we've got a pod now that's developed in Toronto, Saskatoon, Vancouver, Scottsdale, um, and, and I think a few other places even in, um, in the US. And so it's like, hey, if you want to go to an office, you know, we'll cover your WeWork membership or wherever you may Want to go because I understand the mental health benefit of that, even if it's like one day a week. Um, I I certainly felt it during COVID, and then and just yeah. those experiments. But to your point, constant feedback, right? So feedback loops from your customer, feedback loops from your employees, and the thing I always find interesting our ENPs and our NPS. Like you mm-hmm. always read, they track very close to each other. So how you treat your employees really yeah. will um, transcend how your customers feel about your brand and uh, it's it's a neat thing to see but you can't you have to be very deliberate then right because yeah. that's yes, you incredibly do. You do. important
0: and i think that a lot of people that believe just being in the office lets things just happen, you got to be deli- like the need to be deliberate. I love what you said and le- need to be intentional. So many, so many companies I've talked to while well, we're going back to the office. Cause that's, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> you had a lot of problems then too. Like, the, just, like this universal place will solve everything. I'm like, that is incorrect. <laughs> the amount of things yeah. we have to be delivered about were the things I would say we maybe struggled, like good communication and even using our tools and all that stuff became a non-negotiable with remote. The teams, these are things we could have been doing in the office that would have helped, but for some reason we didn't. Covid came. We got them all spun up, which really allowed us to be remote with that constant communication cycle. So it's an interesting yeah. little experiment I've been observing, and I just keep calling it experiment because what else are you gonna call it? <laughs> um, I'll learn something new tomorrow. Yeah, there aren't but, a lot um,
1: of yeah, there aren't a lot of business books written on how to manage a remote <laughs> no. workforce, right? And there's sure a lot of podcasts, and they all contradict each other. So yeah, they do. They, they we're do. Just, we're we're trying to figure it out, but I think showing that vulnerability too, right? Like we're all human and. We're, we're, we're asking for in feedback. all of our messiness I think, in our messiness <laughs> yeah yeah and i think just when you do solicit feedback demonstrating that it's heard you've synthesized it you even got clarification and you've actioned it that builds a lot of trust which is a, one of our core values and yeah. uh, that's important whether you do that like you say in office uh or or remote or hybrid uh, that's that's paramount as, as an employer especially now
0: yeah throwing a bunch of people in the office without those things won't by default make it better is in my experience and i do i'm speaking from experience in that that.
1: come on that's what that's what
0: everyone lets everyone know you're cool isn't that signaling (laughs) look at how cool we are yeah yeah totally yeah as the boss walks by and gives people dirty look because he's wondering why you're not working so yeah that that, i find that really backfires in a lot of office cultures Um, just for just for fun i always like to ask at the end um magic wand if you could wave a magic wand in Alberta, and we'll pick Alberta just because it's our, it's we're we're focused on here, even though this is this conversation always gets much bigger than that. When it comes to either the startup ecosystem, the funding ecosystem, things that you think would cause um, a change of magnitude in this province for as we move forward and diversify, what would you do with your magic wand? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that is such a good question. I don't think you gave me the heads up on this question, but it's, I'm happy you asked. It, it. might've been right at the end
0: Look, of the email note, but I'm just saying, I'm looking at it right now. So okay. I it's like, Tyler, you called me out. <laughs> it's all good, man.
1: That would have required me to redream I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> It's all good, man. That's amongst, we're amongst friends here. Okay. I, I was talking to my wife on the weekend. So I, like I said, I've had a 16 year old son, 14 um, year old daughter. And so we're, you know, as a parent, you're always trying to find that spark, right? And sometimes too earnestly, <laughs> um, and too early. <laughs> but we're we're you know, they're already at 16. He's looking at you know post secondary opportunities, and, and so is my daughter. And the school's really good about bringing in speakers. And uh, but if I could wave a magic wand, it would be all of the things. And this is egocentric because it's my magic wand. But it 100%. would be all the things that I want to see coming out of post-secondary. So you've got Jim Gibson over at State with their uh, digital... Tra- shoot, I'm not going to remember that, Digital Transformation. and The, the School the for Advanced I Digital
0: think- Technology. I've, I've worked to get that one right. Thank <laughs> yes. you.
1: And their Catalyst Thank program. You. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you you know, and then you've got um, Ray and Simon over at MRU. You've got mm-hmm. um, the Hunter Hub at U of C. But I, it's all like... It's um you know when you think you're building a business you it's like magnitude and direction it's get everyone pointed the same direction right and you then you've got magnitude you've got alignment and I feel like um, there's so many moving pieces in academia but if I could say Calgary is if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to get involved in technology and you want to have a career um and, and this is again not for everybody but you want to have a career that's going to be leveraging tech entrepreneurship Solving meaningful problems. Like Calgary is a place to get your education, whether that's like my kids, I'm going to encourage them to go abroad, but I would love to see the schools pumping out that intellectual capital in our own city. Right. And that's going to, for so many reasons that's going to drive um, the population base. That's going to drive taxes. That's going to improve um, Calgary as like going from this mid stage city. And we have all these things going for us with the airport and, I'm like really trying to grow up, um, at, at, you know. Brad over at Calgary Economic Development doing a, a great job, but mm-hmm. just lining that thing up, right? Um, I, I think would be incredible for our ecosystem. That was an excellent, uh, unprepared, unsolicited
0: magic wand answer. Or sorry, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I appreciate that that really came from the heart. And I've been doing some a little bit of support of Junior Achievement and the work they're doing with their financial. Literacy programs and the things they're doing. And Amazing. I met a grade 11 student. I'm actually going to have him on the show because he's been two years through the GA uh, program. And I met his dad this day. And he's like, I have two sons. I have my 16 year old son. And then I have my six year old son who's now gone through junior achievement. And he goes, Sometimes he, has, he talks about things at dinner table I don't even recognize. So I'm actually going to have him on the show to talk about because I didn't get access to that when I was 16. I grew up in a business environment. No. And my parents had a, had, a, had a family business. And so I saw that. Otherwise, I'm like, I didn't get that story. And so I'm actually going to have him on to talk about what he's been learning in these programs around financial literacy oh, and awesome. thinking about business on a global stage. So I'm, I'm talking about it yeah. a little bit because I love like programs like Junior Achievement has been around forever, but I honestly didn't really know what they did in the last couple of years. I've gotten yeah. to know them and supported them a bit. Yeah. And I think they're helping fill a little bit of that gap. So there, a, 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 a reckless plug for Junior Achievement at the end of the show here. <laughs>
1: No, I, I'm a huge fan of that organization and uh no I, I look forward to listening to that podcast.
0: Yeah, it'd be fun. And man, when I was in grade 11, 16, I was not articulate like this young man, so I'm looking forward to having him on.
1: <laughs> I think back,
0: I go, hmm. I don't know, I think it was a bit of a knucklehead, but we'll 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 leave that. I'll leave that in the past. Uh, it's so good good to talk to you, man. I love it. I love chatting with you. That was great. I love your passion, purpose, the drive and the way you laid it out and just the reality of the business that you've built and, uh, to hear, to see that glint, to hear the glint in your voice and to see the glint in your eye when you talk about it (laughs) and what you're building and and why I think really shows through in space. So thanks for that, man. I appreciate the share.
1: Mm. Oh, thanks. Tyler. well, thanks for being such a great connector here. This stuff's important. We've got to get the word out
0: i uh, sing it to the, we are, we are a head down, ass up province. We don't tell our own story as well as we need to. So I'm going to, I'm going to fly that mantle as fly that fly. flag as much as, as much as I can. Um, obviously, com. if they want to check it out, if someone wants to reach out and have a chat yeah. with you, LinkedIn, do you have a preferred channel in all the millions of channels we have these days?
1: Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn for sure. And I, I, I'm, I definitely pay attention there because I've made some of my best contacts uh, for that mm. channel. Like you say, with Calgary, it's like, oh, Tyler is linked. I've got a LinkedIn from Tyler. We have 168 mutual connections, but <laughs> usually you, you'll get a response when there's, a, there's that kind of overlap.
0: <laughs> it is one degree at the most. But thanks for taking the time today. I look forward to, uh, I'll, I'll, you and I will circle back in six, eight months when you do your next round, talk about that experience. And I love following Long along next. these journeys too and telling, and telling these stories. So yeah. thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. And that was a great chat, man. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Tyler. Take care.